is under the authority of a greater king. Because although you might be able to get away with it in the here and now, ultimately your life will be weighed and God who is the judge will plead the cause of those who've been oppressed by you. So this reminds us that we need to learn how to take the bigger view other than just this is expedient to get me where I want to go right now. Our morality on earth has an eternal effect. In today's message, Pastor Daniel will remind us that there's a lot we can get away with while we're living in the world. We can fudge corners and bend rules to get our way, but what is it doing to other people? When we let our morality slip, we're likely hurting someone else. One day, our Creator and the Judge of the world is going to see all we've done, all those we've wounded. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Proverbs chapter 22 with part one of his message, What not to do. So whether we like it or not, all of us have a tendency to learn the the big lessons the hard way. Isn't it true? Some of us are actually, we just prefer learning the lesson the hard way as well. You know, one of the lessons that I learned... I was about 19 years old. I have a twin sister. Her name's Jody, and I love her so much. But Jody had gotten a new apartment in college. And because I had a minivan, so when I was 19, I drove a minivan by choice. I know I'm like, I'm that cool guy. I'm a musician, so I play upright bass. And so, like, you can't stick like an upright bass in like a little car. You need to stick it in like a minivan. So, like, I was like driving a swagger wagon that had no swagger. And so it was a minivan. And so, because my sister got this new apartment, my dad was like, well, listen, you got a roof rack on your minivan. I want you to bring your, the box spring and the mattress that we bought for your sister. I want you to bring it up to her at her new apartment. So I'm like, okay. And, and so I'm like, well, dad, I'm like, I'm not really super good at tying things to anything. So like, can we do this together? And so sure enough, my dad did a, he did a really thorough job of affixing the box spring and the mattress to the roof rack. So sure enough, I get going and everything's going great. I'm a little nervous about it, you know, because it's a big thing, like kind of hovering over your car. And then when I get on the highway, I start coming down this hill and all of a sudden I feel a push of wind and I look in my rearview mirror and I see the roof rack attached to the box spring and the mattress flying off the car. And now this was, you know, so this was, I was 19, so this was over 20 years ago. This was long before we had cell phones in our pockets or anything. And so I was just like, wow, what do I do right now? So my first inclination was to just drive away. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, I don't know what's going on. But then I thought, man, I just bought this new box spring and mattress. And if I just like drive away, I might get in trouble with my dad. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm sitting there and I'm kind of freaked out. And then I'm also grateful that there was no one behind me. So no one got hurt. It was like, a, you know, the, the, the box spring and the mattress got a little hurt. I lost my roof rack. But other than that, everything was fine, you know. And so then my neighbor pulls up behind me. It was so funny. My neighbor's like, I thought that was you. And <laughs> And so he's like, so what happened? I'm like, well, you see the, the roof rack with the box spring and mattress? He's like, yeah, I'm like, that was on top of my car when I started. <laughs> and he's like, tell me your dad did that. And I'm like, yeah, he did. And he's like, well, your dad needs to know that he needs to tie the thing through the car, not just on the roof rack. So that's a good little piece of information, isn't it? 
Now, maybe they've changed the way the roof rack is affixed to the vehicle now, given the design flaw of what went on. But I'm here to tell you, anytime I ever tie something to the roof, including our Christmas tree, it goes through the car. You know what I mean? But that's how you learn, right? Whether we like it or not, it's how we learn. It's like you have these things that go on, and then all of a sudden it happens and it goes wrong, and you're like, I'm never going to do that that way again. Do all of us have those things? Yeah. So what we learn is that wisdom is garnered and generated, not only getting the right thing and getting it right, but also getting the wrong thing and being like, I'm never going to let that happen again. Right? And so part of what is so important for us is that we need to learn how to be able to learn from the positive things and the negative things. Like, you can learn the same amount from someone whose life you watch, you say, I want my life to be like their life, as much as you look at someone whose life and you don't like what you're seeing, you're like, I don't want my life to be like that person's life. Right? So we can learn from both the positive and the negative. And so as we close out our Vice Versa series today, I want to show you what not to do. Okay, so there's a whole series of things that are all negative that they're in the book of Proverbs so that we could learn. And listen, God wants our lives to be wisdom driven, right? It's like we we keep saying it that like you only live once, you get one shot at life. And because of that, the decisions you make have an impact. They have an impact on who you are, has an impact on other people, has an impact on the world in which we live. And so if you choose to live your life devoid of God's ways and wisdom, you're allowed to do that, but you're going to actually reap the harvest of a life lived without wisdom, right? And I don't know about you, but like when I think about my roof rack mattress box spring experience, I think to myself, man... I wish I would have known before I did that that that's not how you're supposed to do it. You know, I, I didn't even finish. There were holes in the roof now, you know? So like literally every year I had to fill it in with like clear silicone. By the time I got rid of the van, it was like there was like a pile of silicone on there. Because I'm just like, so it's like, but that's what happens when you do something, you know, it seemed like the right thing. And my dad did it. So I was just an innocent bystander, you know? But after it happens, you're like, well, I don't want that to happen again. And sometimes... The mistakes we make are inconsequential, like, you know, I mean, praise God, nobody was driving behind my van when the thing came off. But sometimes we make decisions devoid of wisdom, and they have huge consequences. Isn't it true? So sometimes the mistakes are really bad, and they have long-term consequences. So we want to make sure that we partake of the wisdom that God's Word has. And I keep telling you all, Proverbs is in the Bible for a reason. You know, it shows what practical living looks like in light of who God is, right? So open up in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs 22. We're going to be taking verses 22 to 29. So Proverbs 22, 22 to 29. If you're new to the Bible, the book of Proverbs is almost exactly right in the middle of your Bible. Proverbs, so Psalms and then Proverbs, picking up in verse 22 of Proverbs 22. It says, do not rob the poor because he is poor nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Make no friendship with an angry man or with a furious man. Do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Do not be one of those who shakes hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts, If you have nothing with which to pay, why should he take away your bed from under you? Do not remove the ancient landmark which your fathers have set. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before 
unknown men. So here we're going to have five simple things not to do. If you notice, there's really four of them that says do not do this. And then the last one doesn't. But I turned it that way just to make everything fit nice and neat for everybody. Now, you're going to want to write these things down as well. Because this is stuff that is real life where all of us live every single day. Now, the first place we start, verses 22 and 23, it's this. Don't oppress. Don't oppress Now, look at what it says, verse 22. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. So right away, we have this idea of those who are poor. That word could also be translated as those who are feeble or weak or helpless. So it says, don't rob the poor, nor oppress the afflicted. The afflicted could be those who are needy. Now, the problem is, of course, is that somebody who is feeble or weak or needy or afflicted are easy prey because oftentimes they are defenseless. Now, what you need to realize about this is that in every culture, in every society, there are always people who are people who are on the margins, people who are in a place of poverty or affliction or need or help us for whatever reason. And even if it's legal, the follower of Jesus should never, ever, ever choose to oppress that person by taking advantage of their position. Now, what goes on today, of course, that we need to unpack this because we have in 21st century America what you could call the systemic oppression of the poor. Simple things like the way we do banking, right? If you have more money, you get a lower interest rate. You have less money, you get a higher interest rate. Now, you might say, well, that's just capitalism. But guess what? Under the word of God, capitalism is just an ism. Don't exalt capitalism above the kingdom of God, my friends. We need to make sure Jesus looks down upon. He died on the cross for the affliction of those who are impoverished using systemic ways to keep people down. Now, of course... We have to remember that you're only responsible for what you're responsible for, but all of us need to also work to change what we would consider to be systemic injustice. Because we not only believe in the finished work of Jesus that saves a person's soul, but we also believe in all the implications that come from a life that is lived in light of Jesus. So we don't want to divorce our spirituality from the ethics in which we live. And so we have to make sure, and I think all of us need to search our hearts to make sure that we are not doing anything to rob, to oppress somebody simply because they are in a vulnerable position. Because really what it's saying here is that this crime for somebody who has a wicked inclination is tempting as well simply because of their vulnerable position Now, all of a sudden, there's the potential for someone to be taken advantage of. And so, you know, it's funny. I watched a movie on a plane. I was traveling. And so, you know, I was like, am I going to watch this movie? And so it was this movie. I forget the name of it now. Some of you saw it. It's with all these famous older actors, Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine. And they lose their pension, right? It's like the company freezes their pension. So they decide they're going to rob a bank. You know, and it's, I think it was funny. I mean, it was on the plane, so I don't know if I got an edited version of it. So if don't, if you see it, if it's nasty, I didn't know the plane version of it, you know, for everybody. And so it was such a fascinating discussion because it's like what you have is that you have this big company chooses to 
now all these men are impoverished because their pension is frozen. And at the same time, one of these guys, you know, he got sold a reverse mortgage loan with an adjustable rate to save him money. And now all of a sudden the adjustment went up. And so you have all these things that are going on. And so they decide they're going to take matters in their own hands and they rob a bank and some. So there's a great scene in that though. The scene where before they rob the bank, they want to like do like a little spring training. So they go to like rob like a convenience store. And there's these scenes where they're taking like pork loin and they're sticking it under their shirt. And stuff. It's great. And then they get caught and they're like running away. It's just anyway. Sorry. I just thought of it. But the idea is, is that like those are ways that although they're legal, maybe. I mean, not them robbing the bank, but the type of mortgage you sign for and all these things. Although they're legal, they're not morally right. And so you and I always need to remember that our morality is never dictated by the laws of the land, but by the laws of the kingdom of God. It might be legal in America. It might be acceptable in the land that you live in, but God's ways are greater. And what we learn here, of course, is that for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Now, this shows you the difference between living purely in this world, but realizing that this world is under the authority of a greater king. Because although you might be able to get away with it in the here and now, ultimately your life will be weighed and God, who is the judge, will plead the cause of those who've been oppressed by you. So this reminds us that we need to learn how to take the bigger view other than just this is expedient to get me where I want to go right now. You and I need to make sure that we take the long view and we realize that God is a God of justice and God fights on behalf of those who are oppressed, those who are being pushed down by whatever means possible. And so the Lord is the great champion of the defenseless. Now, what's so powerful about this is, of course, we see this in the person and work of Jesus. Do you realize that against sin and death, all of us are defenseless? We were born into this world with a sin nature. Not that we just commit sins, but our nature is left to its own devices, will always lean towards rebellion against God. And in our defenselessness, God sent his own son, Jesus, to die on a cross. So Jesus is the great advocate for each one of us. He pled our case in his own body at the cross. And then he invites all of us to do likewise in this world. So brothers and sisters, listen. If you are a follower of Jesus, listen. Never, never let oppression, taking advantage of vulnerable people, ever let that be a part of your life. And when you see it happening, we should learn how to be advocates for the defenseless. Plead the cause of those who are vulnerable. And what I do want to say right now, and I think is important, is if you're a Christian and if you think about these type of things purely in political terms, I mean 21st century American political terms, you're completely missing your God-given place in the family of God. Because what politics has done today is it's demeaned this stuff to a Democrat-Republican thing. It has nothing to do with Democrats or Republicans or America. This has everything to do with Jesus, the cross, the empty tomb, and what life is supposed to look like because salt and light live in this world. Can I get an amen? But you see how subtle the enemy is because what he does is he takes something so 
important to God, something that where God will fight for the defenseless. And then what he does is he wraps it up into American politics, which has nothing to do with Jesus. Never did. It has to do with power. That's what it has to do with. Even people, like, I'm not knocking politicians. We should pray for our political leaders always. But not one day, not one day has America been about Jesus in totality. And don't get me wrong. I realize that we were founded on Judeo-Christian values. But being founded on the values is not being founded on the cross. And so praise God for our foundation. But what they do is now you take these issues of how do we treat people who are vulnerable and you make it political. And all of a sudden people who are followers of Jesus can't think biblically. They get passionate, blindly political, and they completely lose their saltiness. And listen, a lot of us are there. Now, if you've been at Crossroads for a while, you know, I get on this a bunch because if I'm a good pastor, I have to get at this with you all. I have to. I know you guys are sending emails in. You just leave the politics out of church. No, politics is how people are organized. I'm not telling you what to vote for or how to vote. I'm telling you how to think biblically. That's my job. How to think about Jesus. And then you bring Jesus into your politics and then you vote and you value what you value. But my job is when we start getting our politics in front of Jesus, then I got to say, hey, ho, ho, ho. And the day that I stop doing that is the day you need to find a better church. Because too many churches today, you know what they do? They say, you keep your politics in front of Jesus, but I'll do it too. So you just keep coming. But we need to learn how to put Jesus first. And because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because of the empty tomb, then how shall we now live? And here we learn that when the poor and the afflicted are oppressed because of their vulnerability, that God fights for them. And if God fights for them and we are the body of Christ, then guess what we should be doing? Fighting for them. Our warfare is not with the ways of the world, but it's also not saying, hey, listen, who cares, man? I just want my taxes lowered. So we need to make sure that we are not involved in oppression of any sort. Now, in verses 24 and 25, look what it says next. It says, make no friendship with an angry man, And with a furious man, do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. I want to say it this way. Don't choose bad mentors. Don't choose bad mentors. The idea here is that all of us are conformed to be like the people that we look up to. The people who have strong influence on our lives. All of us are easily impressionable. And so what it says here is that make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man, don't go lest you learn his ways. Now, the writer here is using the idea of someone who is hot tempered or somebody who is easily angered, but we can expand that to almost any area that you need to make sure that you allow people to influence your life who you actually want to be like them. Because the problem is, is when somebody who gets angered easily is your mentor, then you will learn their ways, and notice what it says, and set a snare for your soul. Now, a snare, of course, as a musician, I think of a snare, I think of the snare drum, right? You know, the, the one that the drummer hits, it's got that high-pitched sound, especially if they hit the rim shot, it gets a little bit more. Those of you who don't like the noise of the drums, it's normally the snare drum that gets you. Right, But a snare was literally a trap. Right, It was a trap that a hunter would set that the animal prey would go into and the snare would be tripped and the animal would be caught. 
And so the idea here is that if you choose a bad mentor, then you will learn their ways and begun take on their ways, and then you'll get caught. Things will go wrong. Now, at the same time, what I also want to say is this. Not only should you not choose bad mentors, but are you being a good mentor? Because think about it. All of us influence other people. All of us have areas of influence that which we speak into people's lives. What kind of a mentor are you? Moms and dads, you realize that your kids are watching you every day. Those little ears and those little eyes, they see it all. And they're learning how life's meant to be lived watching you. Where you work, all of you are in influence on other people. Within the body of Christ. We all influence other people. You see this happen with when gossip happens. Whether in school or at work or wherever. Right? All of a sudden says, hey, did you hear so-and-so? And then before you know it, you're thinking about it and you see that person like, oh, so-and-so. And then you see someone's, hey, did you know so-and-so? And before you know it, that stuff's running around. Whether it's true or not. Right? So what kind of a influence are you in this world? See, we have to make sure that we are choosing good mentors and that we are being good mentors. Now, of course, anger is not in short supply in our day and age, is it? Like the prevailing way of our land today is if you are not enraged, you are not paying attention, right? But the problem with anger is, is that Jesus died on a cross, Now, there is righteous indignation. You all know the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. But what I will tell you is I've never heard someone quote that verse when they're angry and they're not being sinful anger. My Bible says, be angry and do not sin. I'm like, well, you are frothing at the mouth, my friends. But I am not sinning. I am righteously indignant. I'm like, no, you're losing it right now. So listen, there is a place for righteous indignation. If when injustice is happening, if it doesn't bother us and make us angry, that's what, but what do you do with that anger? Do you yell at people? Do you get mad at them? Do you give them, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Mm. I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm going to say, do you know what just happened? I show them. This is our culture. It's the way we live. But listen, that's, it's a sin. Jesus is We see oppression everywhere in this world. In today's message, though, Pastor Daniel reminded us that we're to have no part of it. As followers of Jesus, we must never participate or even condone oppression of any kind. What's more, we need to stand up for those who are being mistreated. God stands for justice, even in a cruel world. He wants us to be His hands and feet extended while we're here on this earth. I want to thank you so much for listening to the Jesus is Real program. And I realize that there are many of you, you're not a born again follower of Jesus. You've never put your faith and trust in Jesus. But as you've been listening, you've been saying to yourself, I want to begin to follow Jesus. I want to help you do that right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer that just acknowledges who Jesus is in your life. So if that's you, if you're saying yes to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you my life. Thank you for saving me. I believe in you, your life your death on the cross, and your resurrection. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I ask it in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. For those of you who just received Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I'm so excited for you. 
I want to know that you did it, though, because I want to help you take your next steps with him. So pull out your mobile phone, text the word SAVED to 51400, S-A-V-E-D to 51400, and my team will get in touch with you. We want to get some more resources in your hands to help you on this journey. Now, my team, we want to share some stuff with you, so don't go anywhere. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. You know, the Bible says that when one person comes to Jesus, the angels in heaven rejoice. And we rejoice with them today if you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Daniel. Again, to receive some resources that are going to help you in this new journey with Jesus, take out your mobile phone right now and text the word SAVED, S-A-V-E-D, to 51400. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will wrap up this study in the book of Proverbs by sharing some common sense wisdom. He'll remind us that righteous anger is discussed in the Bible, but we're not to sin when we're angry. We also need to be careful with our finances. We may think we're helping someone out, but if we're going against the Word of God, we're actually doing more harm than good. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series called Vice Versa. Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.